It's a Saturday morning time once again when we have a wine chat with our friend Jack Farrell from Haskell's. Good morning, Jack. Hi there, Denny. How are you this morning? You know, I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. I hope you are, too. It's going to be a nice day today. Yes, indeed. And I thought I'd discuss one of your favorite wines today, Zinfandel. Yes. Zinfandel is a wonderful wine, and I think you'd agree, Denny. You like it. Well, but it's excellent. It's one of my favorite. I, I think I probably have had more <laughs> Zin than, than anything else. And you introduced me to that many years ago, back in the 80s. Yes, but... It, probably have had more <laughs> Zin than, than anything else. And you introduced me to that many years ago, back in the 80s. Yes, but it, it's probably the most misunderstood grape varietal there is. You know, it, it had a very clouded history. Zinfandel was referred to for years and years and years, decades, as a matter of fact, as the American weed, because they knew nothing about its origins. And what had really happened is back in the mid-1800s, botanists on both sides of the ocean were experimenting. So Europeans were sending plant cuttings to the United States, and we were sending plant cuttings to Europe, etc. In the process of all that, a lot of of wine cuttings were sent, and they were brought to California in the 1800s from all over Europe, a lot uh, from Austria and Vienna, and even more from Italy. And so we had this Zinfandel, which uh, produced copious quantities of wine, some of it pretty good, a lot of it very ordinary, uh, and they knew nothing about it. And Well, it wasn't really until they got this genetic stuff straightened out with DNA, etc., that they figured out the real origins of Zinfandel. It was indeed not a Native American weed, but rather a wine that came from the heel uh, in the boot of Italy, an area called Bari, and it was called Primitivo, and it took its name Primitivo because it was the primary one to mature. It was an early maturing grape, which, of course, uh, endeared it to the California wine growers, a lot, and then upon even further uh, genetic research, they discovered it came from an area in Croatia. Well, all and it's from a grape type that I can't even uh, pronounce from Croatia. But at any rate, that's its true origin. But Zinfandel was a wonderful grape type uh, in the heyday when they were opening wineries in California. It uh, gave fruit very early. It was easy to work with. It was absolutely a wonderful, delicious red wine uh, that you could turn from grapes into wine rather quickly and thus became more of a cash crop, etc. And then, of course, we had this horrible uh, thing in the United States called Prohibition. Of course, it was preceded by the Depression. So between those two things... The California wine industry took a devastating blow, and because Zinfandel uh, didn't ship well, they they you know winemaking during Prohibition was legal in the United States. Anybody could produce 300 gallons of wine at home with no consequences whatever, and that was okay to do uh, during Prohibition. And they shipped blocks of wines. As a matter of fact, that's a whole other interesting story. 
But that's how the Mondavi family went from Virginia, Minnesota to California. They sent uh, Mondavi out there to buy grapes so they could make wine back in Virginia. And he liked California and stayed, and the rest is all history. But uh, Zinfandel wasn't real good for that. So they abandoned a lot of Zinfandel vineyard. What they used to make was like almost tea blocks. They would dry the wine and then push them into these big blocks and then ship them all over the country. And when you got one of those blocks, you threw it in a big cauldron of wine. It reconstituted itself as juice, and then you fermented it and made uh, a red wine, which was called Italian red, uh, that people drank at home. But Zinfandel wasn't good for that, so it got pushed further and further and back, and, and thus uh, the origins became very cloudy, etc. And it wasn't really till a guy came along by the name of Bob Trinchero. He had a very successful winery called Sutter Home, and uh, he had a lot of uh, Zinfandel grapes, and Zinfandel just wasn't selling very well. So he tried to draining some of the juice and making a lighter wine, and he eventually produced white Zinfandel, which took the country by storm. It was a little like the wines uh, that were so popular before the 70s, Matus, Alianca, Lancers, which were pink rosés that came from Portugal and were slightly sweet. This uh, white Zinfandel was a little, had a pink hue to it, was slightly sweet, and uh, the rest is history. Even today, uh, the white Zinfandel produced in the United States outsells red Zinfandel by about 500 to 1. Uh, it's still a very popular wine and very interesting, but I'm digressing. What we want to talk about is Zinfandel and how Zinfandel is just such a marvelous wine. Uh, for example, uh, for barbecues, a Zinfandel goes so well with any kind of barbecue. It's almost as good as Malbec in matching with barbecue sauces and this type of thing, because Zinfandel is a really a remarkable wine. And not only that, because of the use and disuse of Zinfandel through the years, there are many areas of California that have 100, 120-year-old vines that are all Zinfandel. And those older vines, while they don't produce a, a lot of wine, what wine they produce is just considered <coughs> a divine nectar by most wine producers. And if you have a few uh, <coughs> real old uh, vines and they produce Zinfandel, you usually have a chance of making very, very good Zinfandel. But at, as I said, Trinchero really took the bull by the horns when he made this white Zinfandel, and it became incredibly popular, selling millions and millions of cases, and, and to this day still sells millions of cases. Uh, however, that was good news and bad news for the Zinfandel. Uh, good news, they were using Zinfandel like crazy. People were starting to replant it, etc. That's the good news. The bad news is, Zinfandel was forever associated with that white Zinfandel, and 90% of the people didn't even realize it came in red. <laughs> they just thought it was all white wine, but 
Zinfandel is a red wine with a lot of character. And, you know, we don't hear about Zinfandel like we do Merlot and Pinot Noir and Cabernet Sauvignon. Zinfandel is in another tier altogether. It makes a lighter wine usually uh, and, and isn't considered one of the great wine types of the world. It's good, but not great. However, an awful lot of people are making wonderful Zinfandels, in my opinion. Uh, my good friend at Terrace's, uh, Wayne Hogg, who started that with the help of old Charlie Wagner from Kymus, uh came up with these Terrace's Zinfandel, and it was a great revelation to me back in the early 80s. Uh, when I first tasted Terrace's Zinfandel, I had never, ever tasted Zinfandel of that quality. I mean, it, was, it just blew my mind. And he did a wonderful job with it. And now today there's so many of them out there. Terrace's isn't standing by itself anymore. There's uh, ones that are not as quite as expensive as Terrace's and still quite good. Another one that's a good one in that category up with Terrace's is Frog's Leap. Uh, and it has some Minneapolis owners in it, so it's supporting our own, so to speak. Fox Leap is a great Zinfandel, in my opinion. There's one called Windstorm, which is delicious. And there's whole areas of California, particularly Lodi, that make Zinfandels that are much, much sought after by connoisseurs everywhere. The wine has really come into its own. It's a remarkable uh, grape type. And as I said, it goes so well with so many things. And because it, uh, Primitivo, the Italian one, comes early, uh, in California it's an early harvest, and uh, people just seem to gravitate towards that. There's a, And Zinfandel, because of its high sugar content, it can be fermented into real blockbuster wines. In fact, there's an outfit called... Uh, Zap in California, Zinfandel Advocates and Producers. And they have a couple meetings every year, and I've been fortunate enough to go to some of those. And some of the wines they produce are just like port. They have 16 18% alcohol. Hardly my favorite, but just interesting to show how Zinfandel is such a remarkable varietal with uh, the ability to produce so many different kinds of wines. Uh, Zinfandel's grown across the United States, but nowhere else can you buy Zinfandel. You don't find Zinfandel from Chile or Australia or anywhere like that. And uh, if you find it from Italy, of course, it's called Primitivo. And anyhow, uh, because they were popular grape type here, it was usually used in most field blends. And today, if you buy a red blend, uh, California wine, usually there's quite a bit of Zinfandel in it because it matures early, it's not terribly expensive, and it really is a good wine, and it's a good stretcher wine. So when you're adding something like Syrah and you add a little bit of Zinfandel to it, it enhances the flavor of Syrah and stretches it a bit because Syrah is a little harder to grow and more expensive. Amador County also produces some uh, good Zinfandels, and up in the Santa Cruz Mountains, Russian River Valley, etc. However, my favorites today come from Lodi, and they're really terrific. And like I say, an interesting experiment, if you're looking for something to do on a, a blustery March day, would be to pick up a bottle of Primitivo 
from Italy and pick up a bottle of Zinfandel from California and see if you can find any similarities. There really aren't very many. I mean, they're totally two different types of wine. But it does show you and demonstrate right there in front of you the real versatility, if you will, of Zinfandel, that it produced that Primitivo and then it produced the California Zinfandel. Of course, that's very common in wine. You know, if you have a Cabernet from Chile and you have one from Southern California, they're totally different. And as a matter of fact, if you have a Sonoma Cabernet and a Napa Cabernet, they're totally different. Uh, it all has to do with the soil, the terroir. And, of course, winemakers and viniculture today stress that enormously, that they all the wine is is an expression of the soil, the terroir. And, and they're right. And then plus, of course, the art and mastery of the winemaker. And most winemakers who are really good say, I do very little to guide it along. Uh, it's really the grape expressing the soil, and that's the ultimate uh, output when you open a glass or open a bottle and you pour yourself a glass of red wine or white wine or whatever is your favorite. But anyhow, you'd be making a big mistake not to take advantage of trying the Zinfandels, particularly if you happen to be, in my opinion, Zinfandel is a little bit on the coarse side. It's not as elegant as a Cabernet or even a Merlot, but that coarseness is so desirable in so many foods. Like I mentioned earlier, barbecue is a great one. Zinfandel goes very, very well with something like chili. It also goes pretty well with uh, red meat, whether you're having steak or ribs or, or uh, for that matter, anything, pot roast. Zinfandel, because of that little bit of coarseness to it, is uh, maybe a, rather than coarseness, earthiness would be a better word. It, it sounds better than coarse. But anyhow, Zinfandel is a grape varietal that's here to stay. It's delicious. It has its advocates, and it also has its opponents. But in my opinion, you'd be making a big mistake not to incorporate Zinfandel in your vast array of wines that you drink and wines that go so interestingly with so many different foods. Zinfandel certainly fills the bill there. Absolutely. And I know for a fact you can uh, go into any one of the Haskell's locations. Those folks will help you f uh, pick one that you got to try. Exactly. The folks at Haskell's absolutely love to talk about wine and wine and food pairings, and they're pretty good at it after 85 years. The folks at Haskell's will invite you to come in, pick a bottle of wine. They'll help you with it. And best of all, they'll help you pick a wine that will not break the bank. And there's a Haskell's near you where you can pick up all sorts of wines, spirits, and uh, bever other beverages as well. There's a Haskell's in Bloomington, Excelsior, Faribault, right off of 35. Our Maple Grove Supercellar is not to be believed. 22,000 feet of uh, vineyards in the world. Minneapolis, there's free parking on Saturday and Sunday. At, uh, Minnetonka, Plymouth. St. Paul's Island Village, Stillwater, White Bear Lake, and Woodbury. If you can't come into Haskell's, go to Haskell's.com. And don't forget, we do deliver. Very good, Jack. Let's do this again next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to it. And don't forget, we do deliver. Very good, Jack. Let's do this again next week. Denny, I'm going to look forward to it.